Fletcher, Donald, got there, in the air, intercepted by the Rams, and they may ride to the Super Bowl on that. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the Kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another post-game live here on Dime Dropper. Before we get started, you already know the drill. Follow us on social media, media Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. And subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper. Hit the notification bell. So, you know, every single time I go live or post a video, check out my most recent uploads, posting vlogs at basically every game I've been to this season. I've been to, I think it's 11 games now. They've all been really quality. Tonight, going to be talking Clippers, going to be talking Lakers, both teams in action tonight. Clippers winning, Lakers losing. It's some Clipper fans' favorite kind of night. Laker fans, if you're in here right now, please stay tuned. I will be talking about your game uh, in pretty good detail. But let's talk with, start with the Clippers, given this is a Clipper channel. And my guys have won eight straight. Clipper Nation, let's get some eights in the chat right now. Live from Los Angeles, as always, ladies and gentlemen, right now we are playing at a level that we haven't seen in the regular season in the 2-1-3 era. We haven't. That's the simple fact of the matter. We have not. It's going really well. It's going really, really well right now. And it all started when we moved Russell Westbrook to the bench. James Harden, Terrence Mann, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Ivica Zubats, they've been doing their thing. By the way, everybody that's on Twitter right now, please go to the link right below you. I am deleting the tweet. I like everybody to be on YouTube because I try to get my YouTube channel to 10,000 subscribers. Please come to YouTube. The link is right below the tweet you're watching. Thank you very much. That tweet is going. Goodbye. Everybody in YouTube, shout out to you. Let's get to it. Clippers already had won seven straight coming into this game at Indiana. Now we got a couple of road games before we play Boston on Saturday. I'll be in attendance. That'll be a good vlog for sure. This one, an absolute beatdown. And I feel like I'm saying that a lot this season. And that's the way it's supposed to be when you got this caliber of stars on this team. 151 to 127 over the Indiana Pacers. I know what you're thinking. That's really high scoring. But if you've been paying attention to the Indiana Pacers this year, they have had these outrageous score lines in all these games that they play. No defense, a lot of offense. And playing against a team like the Clippers that are rolling on all cylinders right now on both ends of the floor, they're, they were going to have a long night. No Miles Turner in this one. And you know what? It was not even a problem. Only the first quarter was kind of in contention, you know, kind of similar to the Knicks game. It was 38-37 Indy after one, but after that, we blew them away. And just, again, just like against New York, too much star power. It's a super team. Anybody denying that because they don't like the semantics of the word super team and they want to debate it and all this stuff because for some reason people have a hard time admitting when there's a super team in front of them, whether their favorite player or their favorite team has one, this is a super team. It's the first ever super team in Clipper history. It looks like it on the court. It feels like it when I go to games. It feels like it from a marketing perspective, from an attention perspective. When people are coming out and saying there's only one ball, how can they make all this talent work? That is stuff that is always said when you put super teams together. And if there's any doubt 
that James Harden is a star caliber player or a star in this league still, I'm then there shouldn't be any more. I said it on so many shows. James Harden has been an all-star player every single season since the 2012-13 season. He has. That's why this is a super team. And you might be wondering, well, why were you so against James Harden? Again, there's many reasons, and I'm not going to restate them right now. But I didn't want a super team. I'm going to be honest. I hate super teams. I don't like it when players are asking for more help, basically, and they already have a star with them. I think it's a little soft. I thought the Clippers, Kawhi and Paul George, could have attacked the regular season the way they went with the team we had. But the thing I got to remember is, and what's really brought me, you know, kind of to earth to realize what's going on and to appreciate it, um, is this the point that some fans were making in the beginning before James Harden suited up for us? And that was that you got to think about where we've come from and what we were as a franchise when I started even watching the team. To even think that players of this caliber would want to be Clippers so badly. That's where I got. And I stuck through all this shit. I stuck through terrible seasons. I stuck through the most disappointing playoff exits. And this is really our team. Like, I earned the super team. All of us fans, we earned the super team with our loyalty to this team. Especially being second-class citizens in Los Angeles. People do not understand what that means. They don't understand because they've never lived here and felt it. The players themselves have talked about it on shows and their pods. It's different, man. It's tough. It's like when you're in Green Bay, Wisconsin, right, and the Packers lose, you go to school the next day, and you can mourn with all your Green Bay fans. When I went to school after we lost, it was, oh, my God, 24-7. What happened, D? What happened, D? You don't understand, bro. I had to field pre- pre- you know, questions at the presser like I was fucking Glenn Rivers. So remembering all these things and seeing the team we have, that's what really brings me back, you know, to be like, you know what? I hate super teams. I don't fuck with Harden like that, but it's my Clippers. You know, these guys. None of these guys were in the league when I first started watching the Clippers. And the fact that we have all these guys and they want to be here is it's a crazy thing. Then you add in the Southern California thing. It could be a feel-good story for Clipper fans, but then I start saying, okay, I got to slow down. You know, everybody – listen, my timeline tonight on Twitter, you were acting like we won, we won the championship. Like, we're, we're about to win. Like, this is it. You never know. Maybe we do. Maybe we win the championship and I end up looking like the Charles Barkley of this fan base with terrible ass predictions. I am really bad at predictions. That's why I don't bet. So I'm here for game analysis and strategy stuff, not predictions. I'm God awful at that. But my timeline, man, I'm not the fun police, right? I always say in life, you know, not just cheering for a basketball team, but you definitely should celebrate your wins if you're going to take your losses hard. So Clipper fans should be ecstatic. Eight straight wins. We haven't had this in the 2-1-3 era. And this is what happens when you play every game, by the way. How many times did I say over the years, you can't build a winning streak with this load management shit? And don't just give me, oh, it's just because they're healthy. Nah, bro. Nah. The first season, Kawhi was sitting out back-to-backs, and you come back the next game and drop 30. Don't give me that shit that they're, oh, they're, the only reason they missed games is because they were injured. Bullshit. I have, I'm not going to out people on this show, but there's, I, I know for a fact that's not true, okay? Just trust me on that. I make connections with people. It's not true. So don't give it's over exaggerated by the outside world. Yes, but don't know. <laughs> they Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have definitely. And when Paul George is pushing back against load management on his own podcast, that should tell you everything you need to know. Whatever is happening this season from the top down, I think they needed last year to get their asses humbled to realize how you need to attack the regular season, not plan for the long haul. Nah, you plan for the long haul by building good habits in the short haul. That's what you do. And that's what the Clippers are doing right now. Talent before trade, after trade. And yeah, having the, the move of Russell Westbrook going to the bench, 13-3 and three since that move. 13-3 and three to go along with that eight, eight wins in a row. We're the hottest team in the league right now. 
And Ty Lu, no one's going to give him credit because it's a, it's a you know a lose lose situation when you're a coach of a super team. When you win, oh, you should be winning. You have all this talent. When you lose, oh, you know he can't make it work with all this talent. Nah, man, that's not how we roll. Not over here. You got to give credit to the coach. Ty Lu's doing things well from the decision to put whoever's decision it was. Whether it was Ty of the front office to put Westbrook on the bench. I know I wanted Harden on the bench. At the end of the day, I wanted one of them on the bench. Okay, Harden is better than Westbrook. I'm not denying that. I never denied it. I just felt as though I'm a big believer of you earn your spot. You don't just get replaced like that. That's that's what I was thinking. But not, that's not the point to go back and forth with that. The fact of the matter is what Ty Lue did is working. It's working. And Westbrook and Bones Highland, who I was very worried about in terms of buying into that, that's what I meant by the vibes, you know, may not be the same. It's not that the players dislike each other, but I didn't expect Westbrook and Bones. And maybe that's on me. Big time wrong on that. To be so professional. Westbrook and Bones were some of the biggest cheerleaders on that bench in the fourth quarter. You cannot, like, these are the sacrifices that are needed to win championships. And I, shame on me, didn't think that they were willing to make them. Just given the exits from their previous teams. And right now, it's looking like the Brooklyn Nets big three kind of thing with Harden, uh, Kawhi, and PG, but with better defensive personnel and more depth and Westbrook off the bench and Norman Powell, who's already a six-man-of-the-year type of player, already coming off the bench. We're loaded. We're loaded. I'm not going to talk about down the line. So the, the reason I was saying keep it keep like a level head Clipper Nation is we're still only 16 and 10. The eye test looks great. The quality of the players that we have looks insane, but it's all about this team will only be fully judged in the playoffs. Like James Harden has done it all in his NBA career, except for that last hurdle. Russell Westbrook has damn near done it all, except for that last hurdle. Paul George, same deal. It's all about playing big in the big moments and also being healthy, but at the same time, enjoy the ride. It's like, a it's a balance. You know, you enjoy the ride without getting going too crazy. <laughs> Clipper fans are going absolutely nuts tonight. But, hey, man, I like to let people rock. That's just my opinion. Now let's talk about the specifics of the game. 151 to 127 Clippers. In the beginning of the game, it was the 2-1-3 show. We saw Obi topping on Kawhi, but he healed on Paul George. Don't know what they were thinking there, but because we have James Harden, you got to pick your poison. So we had Bruce Brown on James Harden, Halliburton on Tyrese. I'm sorry, on Terrence Mann. Isaiah Jackson started in place of Miles Turner, and he guarded if it's Zubats. They were no match for us, really, in terms of guarding. I mean, Buddy healed against Paul George. We know that PG has something extra in his tank when we're playing against the Pacers. And I liked how we got him going early with mid-post touches, elbow touches. He hit his first shot right over the top of Buddy. He had this beautiful Euro step in transition going from left to right in the first quarter. And he was fully in his bag throughout the night. I mean, snatch back threes. I love this shot diversity. And I have to say, ever since we went to the bench, um, I'm sorry, ever since we went with Westbrook to the bench, the shot distribution has been excellent. And I got to give Harden a lot of credit for that. He has understood the assignment of the right balance between when it's time for him to get into the pick and roller isolation and when it's time to feed Kawhi and Paul. And granted, Ty Lue is calling a lot of sets. He's calling a lot of specific plays for those guys. So Harden's just going with the game plan, but there are also spontaneous times 
where Harden makes the decision. And of course, when those actions are being run, he's oftentimes the guy getting the pass or the assist. So it's just an all around got to give credit to everyone and an unsung hero in this offensive, you know, masterclass the Clippers put on these last two games is Zubats and his screen setting. You know, James Harden has absolutely made Zubats' life easier, but Zubats makes everyone's life easier being the best screener on this team. And he has just been phenomenal the last 15, 16 games on both ends of the floor. Rebounding the ball, protecting the rim. It just felt like Zoo was swatting away shots. Like I swat some of these flies that go into my room. I mean, easy money. Absolutely easy money. Big Zoo. And one of the things that was undeniable, I don't know if I mentioned on this channel or just locked on before the trade happened, or when the trade happened, I should say, James Harden, if there was one guy that we knew his life was going to become easier with him, it's Zubats. Because you got to go over the screen with Harden because of his jump shot. And that gives him the opportunity to go downhill and make a read. His bounce passes are absolutely fantastic. Best bounce passer we've had since CP3. I see a comment about Milos Teodosic. Shout out to Milos Teodosic. I can't fully assess how great he was as a passer relative to Harden and Chris Paul and Westbrook because it was so short-lived having him. Um, he got injured so fast. But James's bounce passes are on point in the pick and roll. That's allowing uh, Kawhi and Paul to get open shots as well. Now, they were getting open shots to, be, uh, to begin the season with Russ, but in the pick and roll, now they can get more open shots and cleaner looks with Harden. 38-37 after the first Kawhi. Uh, let's talk about Kawhi Leonard. Oh, my fucking God, dude. The level that he is playing at. I hope other fans around the league are paying attention. Because not only has he played every game. Knocking on that wood. He is playing at that level that we basically trade our whole future for. Everybody brings up that graphic all the time of how much we gave up for PG. But you got to remember that that was the condition in getting Kawhi Leonard, made by Kawhi Leonard himself. We needed to get another star to appease him. And this is why you give all that up. Because when he's on the court, how many, like, give me, like, with a straight face, how many players are better than him? Like, I'll tell you, you want me to, want me to save you the, the, the you know, the, the thought, uh, the thinking? There's one in the league that I'm going to say right now is clear cut better until proven otherwise. And that's the big, slow-footed, can't even jump over a phone book, ultra-talented, high IQ, defending finals MVP Serbian, Nikola Jokic. Giannis, I'm still taking Kawhi in the playoffs. I know Giannis has been on a heater this year, though, because of, you know, he's putting in the lab with Akeem. Okay, I see you, Giannis. But nah, Kawhi's just got that three-level scoring threat. He's unguardable one-on-one. -on -one. He's unguardable. He don't even have to get by you to, to beat you. You don't even have to have that quick of a first step. His mid-range game, like especially with all the spacing in this era, and James Harden's only helped with that in the half-court set. Dude, he gets to his spots very easily. You know, you put a guy that's too big on him, he, he's shifty enough still to create enough space. You put a smaller guy on him, he's bullying him. Even when he was catching the ball 18 to 20 feet away tonight, he was just taking the guy right to the paint, two feet in the paint, backing him down. Two dribbles, turn, like, it's so easy for him. It feels like he's going to make every shot. 
he started the game eight for eight. Like this is Clipper Nation. Like I, I this is why I say I don't like saying these kind of things because every time I try to say like, oh my god, like I got to be so thankful of what I'm watching right now with Kawhi. I'm like, I want to make bold statements and and feel all all certain types of joy, but it's like if if it doesn't happen in the playoffs or if he's not there in the playoffs, then it's like, I'm just going to be heartbroken again. So I'm really trying to stay even keel this season, but Kawhi, we've never had a player like this before as a Clippers. Never. I can't speak on big Bob in Buffalo in LA. We've never had a player like this. So great. Both ends of the floor, but just the ability to be unstoppable, consistently unstoppable. Nah, man, this is special. His, his efficiency is just off the charts as the season progresses. We've seen that last season as well. Um, I mean, I want everybody to see, even though he didn't win conference player of the week, which I think obviously I'm going to be biased to my guy that I'm watching every game of. They gave it to Luca. But if you're a fan of another team, 107, 107 people are watching this right now. Even more are going to be listening on the podcast version. If you're a fan of another team, please take a look at what Kawhi Leonard is doing or catch a game one of these days. He's playing insane basketball. Let's talk about when the Clippers really took over. We did not give any quarter but the first in this one. Won the second 40-28. to 28. I like the impact that Russell Westbrook had at the end of that first quarter, bringing in a little bit of energy, rebounding, getting downhill. Had a nice pass to Kawhi where they doubled. He cut right away. Give and go. Layup. Love that from Russ. Gives us a different dim- dimension. Harden, he's going to be a spot-up uh, three-point shooter when he passes the ball to Kawhi in the post. Westbrook oftentimes will look to cut, dive you know, middle. In the second quarter, to start it, we went with no 2-1-3 for the first four minutes and two seconds, and we were actually down by five. That was the worst the game had gone at that point. You know, TJ McConnell was causing some problems. Thought Russ and Harden at times got the corner turned on them a little too easily. And speaking of the Pacers, Tyrese Halliburton, he didn't play last game, and he probably shouldn't have played this game because he was non-existent he didn't look the same they weren't running nearly as many pick and rolls didn't feel like at least and he just didn't cause problems i want to give credit to the clipper defense and i am but it's not just that a player that has shown that they're that as good as tyrese halliburton has shown that he is he's not playing that badly but clipper you know players you got to give a lot of credit to terrence Mann being one of them that took the majority of time on tyrese halliburton he did a really good job, especially in the third quarter. First quarter, a little shaky, but in the third quarter, he was lockups. Wasn't falling for any of his fakes. Doing a great job trailing him on screens. The thing about Tyrese, he doesn't really have a pull-up on a dime. He has to set his feet. His mechanics are not necessarily that smooth. And that gives t- that gives guys time to recover. You Let's see if that bites him in the ass in the playoffs. You heard it here first. He needs to come to a full stop. That's the type of underrated shit. You know who doesn't have to come to a full stop, though? Kawhi or Paul George. <laughs> They were cooking, man. PG was cooking. Snatchback, fade. I mean, you got the whole, and then defensively was so alert as well. Interceptions, getting to loose balls, active hands, solid one-on-one defense. But in the second quarter, it was the James Harden show in the second and fourth quarter. Fourth quarter was something different. But in the second quarter, he really was starting to cook in the pick and roll. I was on blow-by watch tonight. And when I say blow-by watch, that means R. Harden and Kawhi blowing by guys. Well, James Harden, he got the better of T.J. McConnell and Buddy Heald in this game. Now I know what you're thinking, Buddy Heald. That's not saying much. But T.J. McConnell, he's not the worst laterally. He actually moves his feet pretty well. 
and Harden got by him. So you're starting to see a little bit of that burst come back from James Harden. Will he be able to do it against great defenders in the second round and further? That's where ultimately he will get fully judged. But he looks pretty good. He looks just as good as last season. There's no doubt about that. He had an amazing quarter. Knocking down the three, getting into the paint, making really good passes. We had the lineup of Paul, George, Kawhi, Norm, Zoo, and Harden, which has been one of our best lineups statistically. Kawhi actually came out with two minutes left in the second quarter. He was eight for nine at the time. I thought the Clippers just overall, though, just kept rolling really well. Harden had 12 points in the second, and Zubats was great. Just on the roll with Harden, finishing with authority, blocking shots, whatever you got or whatever you needed from Ivica Zubats, you got uh, in this one. He had a great game. 18 points, 16 boards, three assists, three blocks, zero turnovers on seven for 10 shooting and four for five from the line. Let me say that a little slower for you. 18 and 16 to go along with three assists, no turnovers. How about three blocks to go along with that on 70% from the field and 80 from the line in just 26 minutes. That's Ivica Zubats. That's your starting center, Clipper Nation, and he's been playing excellent basketball, and you better believe that James Harden has been part of that. Clippers won that quarter 40-28. to 28. They went to the half with a 77-66 lead. Third quarter was even more home cooking. Rolling on all cylinders. Tyrese Halliburton was getting clamped by Terrence Mann. PG's defense was good. I thought James Harden's defense was pretty good. Solid help. Active hands. You cannot, I will say this. I've always said, even though I don't fuck with Harden's game like that, that James Harden's defense is overblown how bad he is at it. When he wants to be, he can be solid. And as a Clipper, he's been a little better than solid. And that's something I've been surprised at. I thought he could be, at best be solid, passable. He's been pretty good. And it's been more than just the good hands. It's been closing out pretty well, knowing where you're supposed to be, communicating, trying to do your best when you're guarding one-on-one. And if that keeps up, even if he has bad shooting games in the playoffs, with the talent that we have, it'll be enough to get by. He just needs to be doing the right things and stay engaged mentally. Not those lapses, not those unserious performances where he looks gassed and tired. And with the talent that he's got, I don't think he'll be as gassed and tired. Third option Harden is the way to go. If you still believe, and I definitely wasn't one, but now I have no choice, to believe that James Harden can still win a championship having such a big role on the team, it's third option Harden right now. That's the way to go. Because he could be the second best player or even the best player on a given night, but throughout the course of the season, I'm saying overall, in my opinion, third best player. Harden stands and people that don't like Paul George's game much will argue that because Harden did have a better season than Paul George last year overall because he was healthy in the playoffs. But I'd still take Paul George for what he does on both ends of the court. Um, people can t- argue with that in the comments. I'm taking P. But James, shit. Third option, James, that's the way, in my opinion, to win a championship. Because we saw second option, James, last year. I don't, that's not, that's not it. Anyway, PG's defense was good. Kawhi, PG, and Zoo were just continued to be great in that third quarter. Norman Powell started out a little cold but he hit two threes in the third. And after that, I just knew we had the Pacers. There was not going to be any run. They really struggled in that quarter. And by the way, Tyrese Halliburton also just threw the ball away a couple of times straight up. Our defense was sharp. Our defense was sharp. Kawhi Leonard had 11 points in the third. He played the whole quarter. Paul George had nine. 
and then Zoo had seven. So we got 27 points from those three alone. Harden actually didn't even score in the third quarter, but oh, wait. <laughs> oh, wait, indeed. Russ, at the end of the third, absolutely everywhere, rebounding, getting to the paint. She, I mean, you got to love how efficient Russell Westbrook's been lately. You always want him to, you know, potentially get more minutes. He shared the court with Harden in this one, actually. And it's been looking better of late, Harden and Russ playing together. Uh, does that mean I want it to continue? I don't know. I would like Russ to get more minutes, and if he and Harden can play together and it's not a disaster, I'm down for that. The one thing, though, I really want to stay away from, and we have stayed away from it, this entire winning streak is all four of them being on the court together. It really does feel like it's a there's only one ball situation when you have those four, and that's the reason why I didn't want this clusterfuck of a trade. But, again, credit Russell Westbrook, Ty Lue, whoever went into this decision, to put him on the bench and him being such a pro about it, it's changed everything. Because right now, let me tell you something. From a marketing perspective, it feels like a big four. From an excitement perspective, it feels like a big four. But it really does feel like a big three when you watch the games because Russell Westbrook oftentimes is not even getting 20 minutes a game and he's not starting. It feels like a big three when you watch the game. And the Westbrook haters will say it is a big three. Fuck Westbrook. I'm a Russ guy. Y'all already know that. And Russ has been awesome in his role. 10 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists, a steal, and a block. Only 1 turnover on 4 for 6 shooting, 2 for 4 from 3. He has not shot the ball well from the foul line this season. In 17 minutes, so again, under 20 minutes. But man, I'll take 10, 4, and 5 with 1 turnover every day of the week. And the Clippers took care of the ball in this one. Only 11 turnovers. Only 11 for the Pacers as well. I'll take 11 turnovers. The shooting percentages, though, for the Clips. Both teams actually shot well. Pacers shot 52%. Clippers shot 57%. So another game shooting lights out from the field. But the Pacers, who shoot a lot of threes, they were 12 for 33 from three in this one, 36.4%. So not terrible. But the Clippers, 19 for 38 from deep, 50%. I mean, when you have all these stars, easy to generate shots, good shots. I never had a problem with our shot gener generating until crunch time at times with 2-1-3 when they're healthy. Never. And with Russ, I think that improved. With Harden, it's taking it to another level in the uh, half-court offense. And another game where the Clippers shot well from the line. 20 for 23. 87%. I'll take that all day. Clippers out-rebounded the Pacers. 46-34. That's crazy that the Pacers had 12 more assists. 38-26. to 26. Huh. Clippers moved the ball well, though, in my opinion. But yeah. Now it's time for the fourth quarter. Clippers outscored the Pacers 37-28. But the fourth quarter was the James Harden show. He was going Drew League style. It was unreal. Only one thing you can say. That's all you can say. I mean, that was ridiculous. But we've seen it before from this guy. I mean, this is why he's top 75. Step back, Jack, the one that he brought into the game, the traditional step back, he gave us both in that fourth quarter. He was doing the dribble, dribble, dribble. Again, I don't love his ISO package, but he was hitting and he was putting on a show. The team was in great spirits. They were jumping up and down. And it looks like the vibes, ironically, are still fantastic with the new team. Now, again, when I said that in the past, I was talking more about team chemistry. No, I'm sorry, not team chemistry. I meant roles, mixing things up, 
Clippers not winning as much and people not seeming like they're in a good mood. Now, when we were losing, it felt that way. But now that everybody's kind of in the role and guys have accepted their smaller roles and everybody's rooting for each other, it's an amazing. Credit to the team, the coaching staff, everyone. I'm looking very wrong as of now. There's no doubt about it. But again, with me, you guys already know, my loyal fans, you guys know it's about the playoffs for me with Harden. Maybe after this first round, second round, we make it to the conference finals. I will be very thankful and I will admit wrong. If we win 60 uh, games, by the way, I'll also admit I'm wrong. Even forget the playoffs. But wow, man, James Harden, Plumber Jim, <laughs> the beard, the system. I don't like the system because it doesn't feel like James Harden, the system. It feels like he's running the show and he's like the engine of our offense in the half court. But we're running shit through Kawhi mainly. But James was insane. That was that was great. I'm going to have to look at that picture of him screaming in the camera <laughs> the rest of the year, which is going to be whatever. But it was hilarious. He's doing snow angels on the fucking court. Oh, my God. 35 points for Harden. Three rebounds, nine assists, a steal and a block, and only one turnover. What a game for him. He was a plus 32, which was the highest of any player on the court. The efficiency was off the charts as well. He did not shoot well last game, and we still won by 20, which is such a great sign. So you knew he was due for a good shooting game, and he brought it. 12 for 16 from the field, 75%. 8 for 11 from 3. Oh, my God. And one of them was in and out. 3 for 3 from the line. Jesus. 35, 3, and 9. A steal and a block. One turnover on 75% shooting. 8 for 11 from 3. 100% from the line in 28 minutes. If that You don't get better than that. Then Paul George. You know, three guys with 27-plus and six guys in double figures for us. I mean, God, we're cooking right now with gas. 27 points, three rebounds, four dimes, a steal, and a block for PG-13 in his former home. Only one turnover. He was 9 for 21 from the field, 5 for 11 from three, and 4 for 4 from the line. I liked his diet of threes in rhythm, one-on-one after creating separation and some catch and shoot. And then Terrence Mann, just four points, two rebounds, and an assist and a block. Two for five from the field. Again, over three from deep. I like how he's shooting without hesitation, but, man, we really need these to start falling. Let's see what his three-point percentage is now going into this game. I doubt they've updated it. Let's see. Going into this game, shooting 24% from three. It's going to drop a little bit to probably like 22 after this one. We need that to get up. I still have the faith in Terrence, but the thing about him is, even with this shit, he still finds a way to be positive and do little things that help win. Tip an offensive rebound to a player. Guard. Get out and run. Cut. Be in the dunker spot when we need him. He does his job. He was a plus 10. Daniel Tice. Four points, nine rebounds, two blocks. Very active in his minutes. Just one for four from the field. Knocked down two free throws. Uh, played 22 minutes. And again, where will we be without Daniel Tice? We're 13 and two. I'm sorry. Uh, 12 and three. With Daniel Tice. Already mentioned Westbrook. Amir Coffey looks like he has taken Kobe Brown's spot in the rotation. And I'm very happy with that. I like the way he's playing. Even though he had a donut in this game. 0 for 1. That only shot being a 3. He got 3 rebounds. Had 2 assists. And he guards. And I like that. Because he's one of our only homegrown players. It's Brandon Boston, Musa, Kobe Brown, Terrence, and Amir. I would love if we got at least 2 homegrown players in the rotation. Of all these guys that have made their name someone else and come. I like some homegrown. You know? even though these guys are from Southern California. By the way, I was driving to Orange County, and I was passing by Lakewood and Artesia, where Harden went to high school. 
I don't know how the fuck that still qualifies as L.A. County, man. You go 10 minutes, you're in Orange County. It's closer to Disneyland than it is Staples Center. That's wild, bro. It's still, L.A. County is so massive. Jesus. I also just found out Palmdale was still considered part of L.A. County a couple months ago. The one that I knew was from like is, is Westbrook. I know where he's, where he's from. He's definitely he's in the city of Los Angeles. He actually gets within the parameters. Where are we at? There's one guy I'm forgetting. Oh, Norman Powell. How well has he been playing? Ugh. He's been cooking in that perfect role, attacking closeouts, being off the ball. 19 points, three rebounds on six for 11 shooting, four for six from three, and three for three from the line in 30 minutes. He was awesome. Absolutely awesome. The Pacers, nobody besides Benedict Matherin scored over 15 points. He had 34, and you couldn't even tell. TJ McConnell had 10. Tyrese Halliburton was held to eight points, 11 assists, and four turnovers. He was a team-worst, game-worst, minus 37 in 31 minutes. He was three for 12, one for five from three, and one for two from the line. Oh, my God, Tyrese. Sneaking it up in here. 25% from the field, 20 from three, and 50 from the line. Garbage. I'm not saying he's garbage, just a garbage performance. I'm a big Tyrese Halliburton fan. He's my favorite player in the 20... 20 draft besides a mere coffee, of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Clippers win it 151 to 127. My player of the game is I'll go, I'm gonna go with Kawhi. I'd like to say it was, you know what? Let's give it a 13 strippers. Let's give it a James. I'd say it's Kawhi because Harden, I thought the game was already over when he was going off and he was better defensively because he's just better defensively than Harden. But with Harden, with trending on social media like that, I'll give it to Harden. Let's and now celebrating how many years? 64 years in Los Angeles and Southern California, the franchise with 16 NBA titles, 16 and a half. <laughs> the home team, your Los Angeles Lakers. All right, let's get to it. Lakers and Knicks. Lakers losing that last game to San Antonio without LeBron, D'Lo, and Cam Reddish. Load management. It looked like to me if they're just playing one game later. Now, granted, neither of them. LeBron looked pretty good, man. But um, I still think that they probably could have played against San Antonio, and they didn't. It's medical staff being cautious. They bit the bullet, and now they lost again. Uh, so let's talk about the game. Lakers, Knicks, no Mitchell Robinson for the Knicks. Starting lineup for them was Jericho Sims, who only played three minutes. Julius Randle, Dante DiVincenzo, R.J. Barrett, and Jalen Brunson. In the first quarter, the Knicks got off to a good start. They led by eight, 35-27. I thought that Brunson and Randle were uber aggressive. And you really see one of the Lakers' first flaws. Their point of attack defense just isn't really that good. So, yeah. Like, Torian Prince is a good defender, but he's not a great defender. Cam Reddish is a good defender, but he's not a great defender. LeBron is not going to guard those players on the ball. And Anthony Davis can't just bail you out constantly. Reeves is mediocre. D'Lo is a little below average, even though he's been trying harder this season. And then Jared Vanderbilt hasn't really gotten fully healthy yet. And also, he's a liability offensively at times in the half court. So the Lakers, they have a lot of guys that are good at one specific thing and they're inconsistent at the other thing to be 
considered very good role players. And right now, I really think their role players are shaky. And then their third and fourth guys are basically all offense guys. And when their shot's not falling, they can be a little shaky. And they can't really play together because defensively, they're pretty ass together. Did the Lakers just hit a hot point last season and ride off momentum? Did they? They were able to start all four of them. Was Dennis Schroeder that important to this team? Lonnie Walker? Were those two guys that important to this team? Because the Lakers, they have a better record right now than last season. But last season at this time, they had Westbrook and they were in a disastrous period. The Lakers, Anthony Davis has been great. LeBron's been great. I can't believe I'm saying this, but the other guys have kind of let me down. The other guys have kind of let me down. And when I say me, I mean an expectations perspective. I don't root for the Lakers, but I, I <laughs> with LeBron on the team, man, I hope they lose every fucking game because they're fa- the stands. I'm a stand hater, bro. I don't like the fanboys. That goes for the Kawhi, Harden, and PG and Russ stands too. I don't like you, except for if you're part of that 0.5%. If you're part of that 1% and I like you and you know that, then you know we're cool. You're that one percenter. There's some hardened one percenters I've befriended. Like that guy that was in the chat earlier. There's some uh, Russ one percenters. I mean, Russ might be, I, I get 5% for Russ because I love Russ. Kawhi, like Stratos, Kevin Kingslayer. These guys are that 1%. I don't like, yeah, I don't like the LeBron fanboys, man. So I don't root for them. But the rest of the team has been disappointing, I think. Brandon Runson, Brandon Runson, Randall and Brunson were getting whatever they wanted. Randall was guarding LeBron on defense. The centers obviously were guarding AD, Jericho Sims, Isaiah Hartenstein. D'Lo was guarding RJ Barrett. I think this was a really bad defensive game for D'Lo. He got lost off the ball a couple of times, got beat off the dribble. There was one time where he had, he was in the second half, third quarter, like a rotation that was so confusing where like he ran to Quentin Grimes in the corner instead of tagging Randall at the basket. LeBron was so mad at him. He didn't even look mad at him. I could tell by LeBron's body language how annoyed he was. And rightfully so, to be honest, on that play. DiVincenzo was guarding Torian Prince in that first quarter. Oh, by the way, wow, Lucas giving me a fun fact. Hartenstein, career-high 17 rebounds. Shout-out to former Clipper Isaiah Hartenstein for that. That's big time. But the Re- Austin Reeves actually gave the Lakers a spark offensively in that first half when things weren't going well. Um, speaking of spark, though, offensively, Emmanuel quickly. He was insane off the bench for the Knicks, getting in the paint, getting downhill. That step back he had in the second half was absolutely filthy. Torian Prince, Cam Reddish, Austin Reeves, these guys all had their hands full with Emmanuel quickly. He was awesome. He was pretty quiet against the Clippers, but he had a great game in this one. Score after the first quarter was 35-27 to the Knickerbockers. By the way, I see Scam's comment about OBS. Um, I, I've had better luck with StreamYard. And StreamYard wasn't doing this a while ago. So I just got to maybe, you know, figure something out. Try to get something adjusted. But second quarter, Lakers actually won this one 31-22. They went into halftime with a 58-57 lead. The Lakers had a stretch where they were down by like 10 points in that second quarter where they were missing easy ones. They were generating a ton of good shots in the pick and roll, whether it was Reeves, Reeves AD, high pick and roll, or whatever it may be. You know, there was one lineup that had 
Jackson Hayes, Rui Hachimura, LeBron. So that was it was really big. Austin Reeves. I think one of Reddish or Torian Prince. And they were just missing a bunch of easy shots. Like eat I think D'Lo, Reeves, and LeBron each airballed at one point of that third quarter. Like it was weird. They were missing. LeBron was three for ten at halftime. Like they just weren't hitting shots. Cam Reddish and Torian Prince were getting a bunch of open looks. They weren't hitting. Rui Hachimura was struggling with Julius Randle. Julius hit this beautiful turnaround in the corner, uh, right corner, turned over his left shoulder, fall away. Then he hit him with a little hezzy hang dribble, hard drive left, bank shot. Julius was impressive. Um, the Lakers, actually, their substitution pattern was a little different in this game. Usually they stagger LeBron AD after the first substitution till the end of the half. But in this one, they went with all four of them at once midway through the second quarter. So all four meaning D'Lo, Reeves, AD, and Braun. And then they ended with LeBron on the bench. And I'll tell you what, to end that second quarter, and I'll tell you what, Anthony Davis really restored order on both ends. You know, he was hitting shots in that pick and roll, finishing. He had that mid-range jumper that he hit. Then at the end of the quarter, he had another jumper. Uh, I thought Torian Prince, though, defensively, for all the shots he was missing, I thought he was pretty solid in the first half. Um, as far as Jalen Brunson, though, he was still cooking. You know, Cam Reddish, as I mentioned, he was kind of struggling with Jalen Brunson. He didn't really have that great of a game for me, Cam. And one thing the Lakers did with LeBron out to end the quarter, and that carried into almost the entire third quarter, was they went to a 2-3 zone, a little matchup zone, midway through the possession, they switched to man if they had to. And the Knicks, I thought, did a pretty good job of getting the ball into the middle of the floor, the high post in that zone. But what they were doing was they were trying to get the ball to uh, Brunson's hands and force guys like Barrett and Hart to attack the gaps and try to make plays. It was actually working. D'Angelo Russell, by the way, three for five from three in the first half. But the second half, the Knicks started with the third quarter, outplayed the Lakers. They won the third quarter 33-22. to 22. And LeBron in the third was basically playing exclusively point guard. Tons of pick and rolls with AD. They were getting really good shots. Got him for a lob, hit a three early in the quarter. Also got the ball in a post up. Quickly spun baseline on RJ Barrett and scored. So I thought LeBron turned up his aggression in the third quarter and was just much better in the second half in general. D'Angelo Russell struggling on defense. That was hurting the Lakers. It felt like the Knicks just had a better chance of getting stops. It did. I mean, the Lakers, again, they just have no lockdown defenders. AD cannot just guard everyone. Prince and Reddish are good. If they're your best point of attack defenders, you're not winning a championship. And you know what that means. Then Vanderbilt needs to get healthy and show that he can hang offensively soon or the Lakers are in big trouble. Gabe Vincent, he hasn't played in a long time. Will he be able to help there? Because he wasn't that bad defensively at all for the Heat last year in the playoffs. I actually thought he was good. Is he Dennis Schroeder defensively? In my opinion, no. Lakers were in the zone basically the entire third quarter until the two-minute mark when LeBron came back in. It was okay. Torian Prince was missing a lot of open threes, a lot during the stretch. There was a lineup with Reeves, D'Lo, AD, Prince, and Rui on the court, and it wasn't great. It was a dis- dis- it was whatever, actually. I think that was actually the one that got him kind of back in it. But it was a disastrous end of the quarter for the Lakers. Disastrous. And it was a lot of Austin Reeves even though he was the one in the first half that got him kind of back into it. He had a foul-baiting miss. He had a bad pass. Then he stepped out of bounds, and the Knicks took advantage of it big time. Quickly hit Prince for five quick ones. And what I mean by that is he had that little hezzy in transition for a bucket, and then he had that 
relocation off the screen where Prince went under and it quickly hit that follow away three in the right corner. And then Quinton Grimes hit an open left corner three on the break. And that made it a 10 point game. So the Lakers down by 10 going into the fourth. That was a bad inning for Austin Reeves there. And in the fourth, it was a Jalen Brunson takeover. He was not able to be stopped. He got the game up to 10. Lakers did make a run, though. LeBron got into it. AD got into it. But it just felt like other guys couldn't step up. And D'Lo didn't even really close the game. You know? D'Lo's lows are just really bad. Just really bad. That's not a star caliber player. It's not because he only really eats against bad teams, it feels like. He really peaked in Brooklyn, huh, in 2019. It's kind of sad. Austin Reeves, I mean, let's read the lines now, but credit to New York. They bounced back from that uh, Clipper game, came up big. I thought Hartenstein, by the way, bothered the Lakers in the offensive glass all night long, all night long. So, yeah, not good enough for the Lakers. It's a bad loss. They outscored the, the Knicks 29-24 in the fourth. But right now they've just got guys that are mediocre. I, no, I'm not going to say mediocre, but good defenders, but not great that are so hit or miss offensively. And then their third and fourth options are just kind of inconsistent. They don't really play D. They try. They're trying, but they're not very good defensively. So let's read the lines. Knicks win it 114-109. to 109. They went 10 deep. Taj Gibson, former Trojan, got some minutes. Only six. He had a donut, three rebounds. Didn't even get a shot up. Jericho Sims played three minutes, and he started. And he got donuts across the board except for two fouls. Quinton Grimes only played 11 minutes. He made one shot, and it was that three I described. Three points, two assists on one for five shooting and one for four from three. Dante DiVincenzo played 19 minutes, and I thought he was pretty good. Eight points, one rebound, three assists, and a block. Three for five from the field and two for four from three, and both of the shots were pretty difficult. 19 minutes of play. Josh Hart played 22 minutes. I think he always makes a decent impact, but remember, I'm watching this game from a Lakers perspective because it's an L.A. channel. Six points, five rebounds, two assists, and a block for Josh Hart, but he turned the ball over four times in 22 minutes. He was two for six and 0 for three from deep. The Knicks turned the ball over 16 times in this game and still won the game. Lakers only turned the ball over 10 times. Knicks shot 48%. Lakers shot 42%. And the Lakers shot 11 more shots than them. Man, Knicks shot 10 more free throws. I will say the Lakers did not get a very good whistle tonight. They didn't. LeBron especially. And they shot 12 for 13 from the line. So 92% is good. But the Knicks, credit to them, they shot well from the line on 10 more attempts. 20 for 23, 87%. They also won the rebounding battle by 11, 52 to 41. But yeah, that's, that's tough for the Lakers, you know, to get 11 more shots up. But 10 more free throws, that's easier points. So, you know, can't really say much there. Turn the ball over less. Yikes. Emmanuel quickly. He played 29 minutes and was just spectacular. 20 points, three rebounds, two assists, and a steal. Only one turnover. Eight for 15 from the field. Three for seven from deep. Made his only free throw in 29 minutes. That is some six man of the year stuff from IQ. Then you had R.J. Barrett, who I thought was pretty quiet. 12 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, and a block. Only one turnover, though. Shot 30%, 3 for 10, and 0 for 2 from 3. He was 6 for 6 from the line, though, in 30 minutes. It was whatever to me. 
Knicks fans, if you're watching, let me know what you thought of him. Isaiah Hardenstein. He actually played the most minutes of anyone besides Randall, 39, and he had nine points, 17 rebounds, two assists, two steals, and two blocks on three for four shooting, three for six on the foul line. But man, that's a really good performance for Isaiah. He was very active on the offensive glass, and the Lakers didn't have much of an answer for him. Knicks just, it felt like they just outworked the Lakers. Then you had the, the duo, Jalen Brunson. In my, I was going to say he was player of the game, but now looking at these stats, I may have to go a different route. I'm going to go with him, though, personally. Knicks fans, you can argue. Let me know. Laker fans, you can argue. I'm going with Brunson for my player of the game because he closed well. 29 points, four rebounds, three assists, one steal, and a block. He did turn the ball over four times, so let's see him. line in 37 minutes just an awesome performance by Jalen Brunson one of the best point guards in basketball and then you had Julius Randle who was awesome and I saw his stats he averages 25 points against the Lakers in his career so he likes to take it to his former team 27 points 14 rebounds three assists for Julius on 12 for 22 shooting one for four from three two for two from the line surprised that he only got two free throws because he went to the basket a lot but he had a really good game the games where you think oh this is why he's an all-star 43 minutes. Now for the Lakers. I haven't seen the box scores yet. Jackson Hayes played eight minutes. Lakers only went nine deep. Christian Wood, with their offensive struggles, should be getting some more minutes, in my opinion. I know he can't really guard, but they really should consider it when, we, when they have Vando and other guys of size on the court. I know they're very afraid to put Christian Wood at the five, but I would say try putting size out there, making him hedge the screens, and seeing if you have enough rotations to force bench players to shoot threes. That would be my strategy. Um because I think he deserves a place on this team when they're having offensive struggles and droughts like they do. Jackson Hayes got two points and two rebounds on one-for-one shooting, eight minutes, very quiet. Jared Vanderbilt only played 14 minutes, and he didn't even register a shot attempt or a free throw attempt. He had no points, two rebounds, and a dime, and a turnover. That's just not going to cut it. You're going to need Vando with the the lack of great point-of-attack defenders this team has. You're going to need Vando to have a bigger role. You're going to need it. And Torian Prince... Got as many minutes as LeBron in this game. I just don't think he's warranting that many minutes. Rui Hachimura only got 17. He had eight points, two rebounds, and two steals on three for six shooting and one for two from three. I have not seen enough evidence to say that Torian Prince is better than Hachimura. Now, granted, you want him at the point of attack, but they had Cam Reddish at the point of attack. They got to find a way to get Rui more minutes because he can score and they need that. He wouldn't. Oh, God. Let's go with Cam Reddish next. He played 27 minutes, four points, two rebounds, one assist, three steals. That's a good stat. No turnovers is good. Two for nine from the field, 0 for four from three. There were so many times where he had a chance to hit a big three and he didn't hit it. You need better from shooting the ball. He's never really shown much good offense as an NBA player, really. He hasn't. He wasn't good enough for me, Cam Reddish. How about D'Angelo Russell? He wasn't good enough either. Nine points, three rebounds, four assists, and a steal. In the beginning of the third quarter, it just kind of felt like he was not involved because LeBron was kind of just dictating. But I need, I think you needed to see a little bit more D'Lo AD pick and roll in that first half. It's been working really well this season. But there was one time, you know, they ran it, and D'Lo, he passed up an opportunity to take a pull-up jumper because he set his feet, pump faked, hesitated, shot back of the rim. He a lot of times makes those shots even with the pump fake, but 
He looks bad when he misses. He shot 30% from the field. He was 50% from three, three for six, but he was 0 for four from two. He doesn't get to the line. He had no free throw attempts. Nine points, three rebounds, and four assists. Nine points is just garbage. You need much better from D'Lo. Much better. Then we go to Austin Reeves, who played 33 minutes. I thought he was good, but he can be better. He had too many good looks to shoot six for 15, in my opinion. Three for seven from deep, five for five from the line. But he can be better than 40% with the shots that he's getting. 20.7 assists, one steal, four turnovers, though. And those crucial ones, the end of the third, that hurt. So I don't think he's off the hook either in 33 minutes. I'd say he was the third best player, but it's not saying much when a lot of guys didn't play well. Then you have Torian Prince, who played 39 minutes. He had nine points, two rebounds, and three assists and a block. One turnover. That doesn't sound too bad. Defense was not that bad either. But he was three for 13 from the field, and all of those shots were threes. Torian Prince shooting 13 threes. You're not like, let's see what what three-point percentage he has coming into this game. He's so inconsistent. It's crazy. 38 and a half. So like by the percentages, it's a, he's shooting well from three. That's going to drop majorly though after this. He'll probably be down like 36%. But man, <laughs> maybe just 37%, but that's crazy. It's just, he's so hit or miss. Sometimes it feels like he shoots like 60% from three and others he'll shoot like this. He was poor. He shouldn't be getting that many minutes when he's shooting like that and not playing. He was playing better defense than other guys, but he's not playing great defense by any means. Quickly was cooking him. But I thought he does better against bigger forwards. LeBron, 25. He had a triple-double. My goodness. I didn't even feel like that. It's amazing the way he can find a way to still put up good stats. But I will say he had a bad first half and a good second half. 25 points, 11 rebounds, 11 assists, and a steal. Two turnovers. I thought he wasn't bad defensively, but he wasn't particularly good. I thought he was decent. 10 for 23 from the field. 2 for 8 from 3. So he's been shooting 40% from 3 this season. I think that's going to drop. But I think he might be able to shoot 37, 38% on the season, which would still be great. But right now, a big problem is that LeBron, he's been the Lakers' best three-point shooter. And you need D'Lo. Let's see what he was shooting from three coming into this game. 39%. So even he, by the average, is still shooting well. Just the consistency, I guess. LeBron didn't shoot well from three, though. He was 10 for 23 in the game, but shot 25% from three. Three for four from the line. He absolutely should have gotten more shot, uh, free throw attempts than that. Two turnovers. That's fine, I guess. Yeah, 11 to two assisted turnovers. That's pretty good. I thought AD, though, was the best player for the Lakers. He continues to be really, really good. 32 points, 14 rebounds, two assists and a steal, and two blocks. Two turnovers for AD. 14 for 22 from the field. One for one from deep. I think that came really late, like in garbage time. Three for three from the foul line. Very efficient game for him in 35 minutes. AD's been playing really, really well. I have no bad thing to say about him in this game, personally. LeBron, tail of two halves, but he's not going to be amazing every single night at this age. We're asking a lot of him at that point. But the other guys need to be better. They need to be better. And I think the Lakers could have come out with more effort and intensity on the offense, on the rebounds and defense in this game. Wow, Anthony Davis. I don't know if it's registered the stats in this game, but in the month of December, he's averaging 29 and 13 on 52% shooting and 43% from three. That's pretty crazy. Anyway, Laker fans, right now, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know if this is a championship team. And I said it was because of LeBron and AD, but right now the other guys need to step up. And to be honest, I think they will. But I think you need Jared Vanderbilt to become a bigger part of this team. 
because your defense is still not that great. And I think you also need Gabe Vincent back to just give you a little bit more guard defense. And maybe he can help with the three-point shooting. I know he wasn't playing well in the beginning of the season, but that can change. And then also, Hachimura needs to play more. Torian Prince can't be Darvin Ham's lover. I don't like the way that's going. So I wouldn't panic too much. It's a marathon, not a sprint. But I don't know, Laker fans. I don't think you're a championship team. Anyway, that's it for me in this one, guys. Now to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. Super Chats are turned on. If you want to drop a dollar or a dime, any donation helps.